Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Lord, wave a magic wand over me? No, he's not going to do that. He calls for you and I to make the decisions toward holiness. It is a combined work of the drive and the desire of our hearts, accompanied with the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us that's going to allow that process to take place. And guess what? It doesn't happen overnight. And about the time that we think we've got a handle on it, guess what? I've got to deal with stuff tomorrow, too. And the next day, too. Oh, yeah, and the next day, too. Pastor David teaches today how the Scripture informs believers of their dependence on the grace of God. And believers have an individual mandate and responsibility. A Christian cannot expect that God will wave a magic wand and suddenly all temptation and struggle will disappear. As one learns through ups and downs how to walk according to God's truth and wisdom, God's grace is always available. The grace of God is meant for a lifelong journey of growth for which God's patience is sufficient. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Patience in Ministry. We have that responsibility this day either to choose life or to choose death. And that life and death is, again, built within the choices that we make. We have a responsibility before God, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that's set before us. Lord, if you want me to run with endurance in this race, you need to give me a little cart and you need to be pushing me. That's not what it says. It says you and I are responsible to run that race. And I know that in that race, some are further along than others. Some have, man, it's like steeplechase endurance races, like, you know, the Ironman kind of a thing. I, I look at the lives, I think, whoa. We don't know what race we have before us usually. And your race isn't my race, and your race isn't mine, and it's not his. And we each have our own individual race. But, beloved, we are called to run the race that God has given each one of us with endurance. Now, some of us might be like Peter, and we say, yeah, but what about John? I mean, his race is a whole lot easier than mine. And what did the Lord tell Peter? He says, you don't worry about John. You don't worry about so-and-so in their life and -and so-and-so in your life. You worry about your life and where you're at, what your race is called to be. We, you and me together, because because grace has been given to us as a free gift, given to us without any merit on our own part, while we were yet still sinners, 
we have a responsibility even in our own thoughts. Even in our own thoughts. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, we're to meditate on these things. You know what? That's, that's a call of God in each one of our lives. I don't, I don't, I don't like, man, I, I listen to such and such a news broadcast all day, and man, by the end of the day, I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated. You know what? You need to shut the news off. You need to shut the news off. You need to quiet your spirit and allow God to speak to your spirit. I see so many believers get so upset about temporary things. Now, I know there's some important things going on in the world, but beloved, remember, those are all temporary. You cannot be controlled by those things, and way too many believers are. Our responsibility as sons and daughters of our Father is to live our lives in such a way that, man, we are purging ourselves of the filthiness of the flesh, the filthiness of the Spirit, and we are perfecting holiness within our lives. As one writer put it, how can those who expect God to purify their hearts, who are continually indulging their eyes, their ears, and their hands in what is forbidden and in what tends to increase and bring into action all the evil propensities of the soul. And again, Lord, give me a pure heart and a pure mind. Whoa, did you see that? And man, I want some of that. And man, I'm over here and I'm over there. But Lord, give me a a, a pure heart and a pure mind. But I'm not really working it myself. I'm allowing my heart, my mind, my eyes, my ears to be drugged into all kinds of things within the world. But yes, I would be the first one to agree. We can't do this on our own. None of us have the the power or the ability in and of ourselves. We cannot do it on our own, but beloved, you need to understand, neither will the Lord do it all for you. I I remember, man, when I was about a 17-year-old kid and I was struggling with a lot of things that 17-year-old kids struggle with, not that older Guys don't struggle with things like this too. But I remember one night just pulling out and, and man away from the town. It was just dark and pulling and literally got in an argument with God. God, change my heart, change my life. I wanted him to wave a magic wand over me and take care of all my fleshly desires. But you know what? That's not how God works. God says, no, you need to determine. You need to set boundaries. You need to be like Job. You know, put, man, I, I, put, I put blinders on my eyes and I wouldn't look at a young maid. There needs to be those determinations, those, those places in our lives. Man, I'm not, I'm not going to be jealous for that. I'm not going to have greed for that. No, I, I don't need that. I'm surrendering those things. Why should I get angry about this situation over there when I have absolutely no authority, no ability to change it? All it's doing is eating me up. Oh, Lord, wave a magic wand over me? No, he's not going to do that. He calls for you and I to make the decisions toward holiness. It is a combined work of the drive and the desire of our hearts accompanied with the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us that's going to allow that process to take place. And guess what? It doesn't happen overnight. 
And about the time that we think we've got a handle on it, guess what? I've got to deal with stuff tomorrow too. And the next day too. Oh yeah, and the next day too. Now hopefully the battle gets easier as we mature in the Lord, but that really depends upon how long we are actually walking in victory or rather we take a step over into the enemy's camp every once in a while. Because every time we do that, beloved, we are again weakening our own resolve, weakening our ability to stand against the things of the enemy. It is a definite work of the Holy Spirit within us, but it also needs to be a most definite work of our will as we, as Paul says, cleanse ourselves. All of that, a portion of that process called sanctification, that becoming useful and usable for the Lord's work. Lord, I don't want to present to you a vessel that's full of the things of the world and so soiled and stained that you can't use me. You end up setting me on a shelf. Lord, I want to empty myself of the things of this world. I want to lay aside every sin that so easily besets me. I want to run with patience that race that's set before me. And you know what? When you and I determine that in our hearts and make those choices, those decisions, those small things as well as the big things, when we start making those decisions, guess what? God then is able to use us. And he will use us. Why? Because he wants to use us. He wants to use us in a lost and dying world, to present the reality and the truth of Christ. We are to cleanse ourselves. And what is it we're to cleanse ourselves of? Paul tells us all too clearly, the filthiness of the flesh and from all the filthiness of the spirit. First of all, we need to look at that word filthiness. You know, you think, well, yeah, I know it. it's like dirty. No, it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. Albert Barnes puts it this way. He says that the word means to stain or to defile or to pollute as a garment or even better yet, to soil. Now, when I use the word soil, that is a polite word in saying he soiled his diaper. Okay, the filthiness of the flesh, and yes, even the filthiness of the spirit. Why? Because in this world, beloved, we get soiled. Okay, and that's that's how important. That's how deep and how important Paul is bringing this. He says. All of this is referring to the defiling and corrupting influence of fleshly desires and carnal appetites. That's what Albert Barnes shares with us. Now, Paul goes on. Paul's thought is that we are responsible to cleanse ourselves of the soiling, the polluting, and the defilement of our flesh and of our spirit. Therefore, to consider what the filthiness of the flesh is, seems to be fairly easy. It's blatant and it's open, sinful actions and failures to act in the right ways. It deals with those overriding passions and those appetites of of the flesh that are contrary to the will and to the word and to the purpose and to the plan of God in our lives. Beloved, you need to understand, I'm not talking about, oh man, I just 
tripped and you know this thing happened. No, I'm talking about walking in that so much that our lives, our minds, our flesh, our spirit get polluted with these things. And I believe that we are totally naive if you don't think that that's happening, perhaps to you, but for certain, your brothers and sisters that are sitting around you. For all of us, the possibility of that is extreme because the enemy wants you to fail. He wants you to fail. He wants your light to be quenched. He wants your testimony to be empty and useless. He wants to do everything that he can to come against us and to come against the work and the plan and the will of God in our lives. And that is true in both the actions that we take that are outside the will of God as well as the actions we fail to take that God says, I want you to do. Both of those things are sin, okay? The issues of the flesh are the issues and the actions more readily that, that are seen on, on the outside, easy to see by those, by, by those around us. Oh, wow, he's got a real problem here with this. She's got a real struggle in this area. Man, I can't believe he talks, I can't believe she acts that way. Wow, do you see what's going on in his life or her? You know, the world can see those things. Many times we try to keep them hidden, but the filthiness of the flesh becomes all too apparent to the people around around us, particularly those that are closest around us. So again, what about the soiling and the polluting and the defilement or the filthiness then of the spirit? If the flesh is the things on the outside, you need to understand that the, the spirit is the things that are working on the inner man. I believe that Paul speaks about that inner area of our lives as the spirit, that area that's the foundation or the source of all of our inner thoughts as well as our outer expressions. It's, it's the source of our inner thoughts, but it's also the source of our outer expressions. That's why Jesus says that what? It's out of the heart that proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries. You see, it comes from the inside out. That's why we, my desire, people come into this fellowship as we minister to people, whoever they are. I'm not so worried about cleaning up the outside as much as getting the inside clean. Because once the inside is clean, guess what? The outside begins to change. Well, you got to stop drinking, you got to stop smoking, you got to stop chewing, you got to stop going with girls that do. You know, before you come to this church, you got to stop this, you got to stop. No. What I want you to do is, man, get on fire and get passionate about Jesus. And the more passionate that you are for him and the closer you're walking with him, these these other things are going to fall by the wayside. The outward actions of our lives Very apparent. Anger, lying, murders, adultery, stealing, cheating, murmuring, gossiping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We go on with the list, but I didn't want to name everyone in here's sin tonight. (laughs) However, the condition of our spirit, our inner person, that's most often only apparent to the Lord himself. Beloved, that's those deep and those inner workings of our heart and of our spirit. We can fully understand the actions of the flesh or a direct result, though, of the condition of the spirit. 
You see someone on the outside that's struggling in areas, you know they're struggling on the inside. But there are still times, and catch this, there are still times when the spirit of an individual has become so calloused, so camouflaged, and so deceitful that they can literally go for years undetected by the ones that they come in contact with. That includes family. That includes church. Because on the outside, they've got the game down. They're well camouflaged. But on the inside, man, there's no real connection with the things of the Spirit. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. The inside filled with dead men's bones. But that doesn't happen to the church today, does it? Unfortunately, it happens all too often. To say that we are the sons and the daughters of God clearly means we are responsible to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and from all filthiness of the Spirit. And we look at the directive as a work in the negative sense. We get rid of something, but now we're going to move into that positive sense of what Paul encourages them to continue on in that process of perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And again, we need to understand what this is not saying before we can understand what it truly is saying. What it is not saying is that there is a requirement of the Lord for you and I to be perfect. Do you understand that? It is not required of the Lord for you and I to be perfect, but he does require that we point that way, that we go that way, that we move that direction. I'll move on with that. But uh, that requirement to continue on in the process, that process of refining our lives for the glory of God. The problem is, is in, in way too many believers' lives, they get to that point, particularly after a number of years of being in the faith, and they get settled in. And they get comfortable. And they say, close enough. Close enough. Why? I go to church one, sometimes even two times a week. Yeah, I, I, I read my Bible every once in a while. And yeah, we tip God on Sundays, you know, five bucks here, 10 bucks there, whatever we might have. There's no real relationship with Jesus in their lives. But to an outside world, it looks like, well, that, that must be a Christian because they do go to church on occasion anyway. Close enough, but not in pursuit of. And do you know the difference of that? The difference between close enough versus being in pursuit of. Close enough is at the football game that, again, the quarterback throws the, the Hail Mary pass and the, the deep receiver, he catches it right on the 20-yard line and he's running and there's, again, defense guys that are, man, they're, they're heading for him and he's zigging and zagging and he's getting down, he's, he's down to the 15, he's, he, he's down to the five and he just says, woohoo, I made it. That happened, national football. The guy just got so excited. Before he crossed the goal line, he threw the ball up in celebration just before he crossed the finish line. Close enough. Not really. 
not really. It's amazing the testimony of the saints throughout the years is they declare literally that the closer they get to the Lord Jesus, the closer they get in harmony with his spirit, and the more that they pursue after him, the more they realize how far yet they have to go in the journey. Charles Spurgeon, in speaking on this verse, he, and, and that concept of continually striving toward that goal of holiness in our lives, he wrote this. He says, I suppose that the nearer we get to heaven, the more conscious we shall be of our imperfections. The more light we get, the more we discover our own darkness. And that which is scarcely accounted sin by some men will be a grievous defilement to our tender conscience. It's not that we're greater sinners as we grow older, but that we should have a finer sensibility of sin and to see that to be a sin, that which we winked at in our days of ignorance. That's no big deal. But then the closer we get to the Lord Jesus, the more we realize, no, even that's a big deal. Even that's the thing that grieves my Lord's heart. That's why we can never coast as believers. We're either moving forward, church, or we're slipping backwards. We cannot coast. I'm going to take my, man, I've been so busy about things, Lord, I'm just going to take a few days off. You know what? The enemy's going to come in like a flood. Come in like a flood. I, I, I tell you that as a testimony of a, of, a, of a pastor that, you know, again, man, the end time of the week, man, I'm focusing in, I'm focusing in, Lord, what are you, what are you speaking? And I'm, and I'm praying, and I'm seeking the Lord, and, and, and then, man, Sunday afternoon, I, ah, okay, we, we made it through. And then all of a sudden, man, every attack of the enemy starts coming in at that point in time. We cannot coast. He's called for us to continually pursue the Lord. But because of God's precious promises to us, we need to be among those that are moving forward. That's what Paul says, man. We need, because of these promises, we need to be perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We need to be moving forward. With the assistance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we make the choices to abstain from those actions and those attitudes of the flesh that wage war with our spirit. And in the spirit, we determine to stay focused on the will and on the work and on the promise and on the purpose of God in our lives. As Paul tells the Corinthian church a little bit later in chapter 10, he says, cast down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because the enemy's going to flood your head with all kinds of things. The world's going to flood your head with all kinds of things. Your flesh is going to flood your head with all kinds of things. You and I need to be those who say, no, I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm not going to allow it to reign and rule in my life. And I'm going to cast it out of my head. I'm going to get back into the Word of God, or I'm going to turn on some praise and worship music, or I'm just going to pause from the cares and concerns of the world, man. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the Lord. Open 
2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in. Being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.